network for the first time. How did that go? So I didn't network at the women's convention. I'm just like, I'm not, like, that. those two panels in a row that were disappointed was like, I ain't trying to meet anybody here. <laughs> Girl, that was me. South by was my first time doing that, too, and it was weird. Oh, my God, we each had one of those this year. We did. A solo conference. Oh, high five to us. We're all here. We can actually high five this. I'm like, I spilled my drink all over the table. Hey there, Jilted Indian Podcast listeners. It's Pooja, and I come with love and courage to introduce our Festivus episode, which we are releasing on Boxing Day. We got together to air grievances, have some cocktails, exchange presents, have some cocktails, and reflect on 2017. So grab you a glass of something adult, open up your head holes. We are talking memes, the perfect travel plan, coping mechanisms, and our favorite reads of the year. Jazz hands. Question number one. <laughs> Retro fave. You wish would get rebooted. This is really lame, but I really wanted a Cabbage Patch doll when I was a little girl. And you know the Hassan Minaj cards that you have to play? I didn't play my please give me a Cabbage Patch doll card. I think... I would want one of those ugly things just to have gotten this thing I really, really, really wanted to play with really bad. They had it in different colors. I probably would have gotten the brown kid and just had a dog. Because I didn't have a little sister. I didn't have, like, anyone on my side as a sibling, like a young person, sibling type. My brother's always ganged up on me. So I already know, like, deep down in my mind, I would have gotten, like, a brown Cabbage Patch doll. What about you, Andrew? Uh, I think mine is actually happening because it's. I want to see Shira re- like they've they've ruined everything from my childhood, but I want to see Shira redone and I want it to be awesome. And yes. I think I just saw news that this is supposed to be Netflix. happening. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. That's my thing. Mine is, and it's fairly obvious what I had in mind when I wrote the flipping question. Was a different world. Yes. Because it's been 30 years since it premiered. It premiered in 1987. And ironically, Blackish has done a spin off on a different network called Grownish. Yes, I've seen that. Yes. She's going off to college. But I've been thinking, I've been watching a different world, and I think it was the Nostradamus of our time. But also, I forgot how much I watched shows that featured people of color prominently I'm watching this show right now and I'm appreciating Jasmine Guy on how her performance like people blown away by her performance because I also accidentally followed her career on on different things and she's been a very serious actress without a southern accent and so I've seen that and so going back and watching chronological order the first time since I was a child as it aired brought such an appreciation for her as an actress she's the Lucille Ball of our time and nobody fucking realizes that like I want a different world to come back and I want Mahershala to be Colonel Bradford Taylor yeah I would like Whitley, Dawn, Kim, Freddie to come back as dorm directors. Yes. You know, or professors. Freddie would be like teaching. Freddie would be law school dean at this point. You know, like Ron Johnson. Like, I just, 
You guys, I love this show so much. No, I've, I've recently been rewatching it too, and I don't think I watched the whole series when I was younger. Yeah. So I've been watching parts of it that I hadn't seen, and I I'm, have also just been recently like rediscovering how amazing this show is and how incredibly relevant it still is, which is awesome but also depressing. It's been 25 years. What the fuck? Anita, the Anita Hill episode where Whitley was being sexually harassed ended ended with a clip of her saying she reported it. They gave him a slap on the wrist and she continues to report to him. And then in another season, they brought it back and showed her actually still reporting to this guy. Like, I love A Different World so much, so much. Yes, it was whatever the one camera in front of a studio audience thing but it was so beyond its time it, it pushed boundaries so much for its time it, it talked about especially for black culture but it just it talked about things that people don't ever think about like one of my favorite episodes is the one where they're doing some sort of um, program about black history and and Whitley wants to do the um, the, the mammy. Ma yeah the yes. mammy one and yes. Kim gets really upset about it and it was and, and Willie's like, this is a part of our history. We sh we need to like figure it out and deal with it. And it's a workshop on reappropriating culture. That episode, incredible. Yeah. I just thought Dwayne Wayne was really cute. <laughs> oh my God, I love Dwayne Wayne. My best friend from high school ended up going to Spelman. Which is it, Spelman or Morehouse, where that's based? Spelman is an all women's college, right? Yes. So it's kind of to be an amalgamation of Morehouse and Howard. Yeah. Gotcha. Morehouse is the one that that Jasmine Guy actually grew up yeah. right next to. Yeah. Her dad used to teach there. And wow. Debbie Allen, who directed almost 98% yeah. of the series. The yeah, she went yeah. to, she took the cast and writers down to Morehouse every year to do a retreat before the season started to talk to students and stuff. You know what? I didn't even understand the damn question. I thought we were talking about like retro things, but like, okay, okay. Anju, draw the next question. All right, question number two. Fill in the blank. 2017 fulfilled my expectations about. <laughs> Me first. Sucking, sucking. It fulfilled my expectations and how incredibly terrible it was going to be. Um, how bad of a president Trump is going to be. I don't, I mean, there are no good answers to this question. About sucking. <laughs> I feel like 2017 fulfilled my expectations about the reactions of people. Like, just expect everything to garner a reaction. More so, like, the phrase triggered could have been the word of the year other than feminism for Merriam-Webster. Because I feel like there's so much that is done that immediately, that results in an immediate reaction to things. Whether it be actual things, like people showing up to protest, or letter writing, or, you know, the tweets from anonymity, or, you know, like what I do, which is just post things on Facebook. And I will keep posting things on Facebook because I've had more than one person come up to me and say, I didn't realize X, Y, and Z until you said it. And I'm just like, you didn't realize Puerto Rico still doesn't have power? Like, for what, for real, for real? And so, uh, you know, I'm just like, it, it. to me, 2017 fulfilled what I expected the reaction to be of what happened in 2016. So. Oh, I get to draw the third question. Okay, so the third question is, I finished my drink already. That's how 2017 is going. <laughs> I'm right behind you. Hold on. Okay, question number three. 
How many phone calls, protests, volunteer hours, or organization, or organization supported did you chalk up in 2017? Um, I know I gave my money to Planned Parenthood, to the ACLU. We lost count of how many protests we've been to because I feel like we went to a lot. Like, we went to a lot. <laughs> Uh, we have our punch cards push. Uh, Pooja, Anju, and I all went to our respective women's marches at the very beginning of the year. There was the there was another protest we went to at the airport right, right after the Muslim ban happened. My gosh, my stars! It's really hard to go back through my memory. Remember, we, me and Jolene went to the immigration march in Dallas. Hey, Jolene. Then we went to the rally against white supremacy. The sheep cake, where we sheep caked. Yeah, I lost track too. I'm like, there was a third one that I went to, but I don't remember what it was. There was those two, and there was another one in, at the Capitol. And Austin, and I, I don't remember what it was for. That's how sad. There's also protests that weren't physical in nature. It was more of an internet anger fest. And I would have to call the entire Alabama election a big ol' internet. The Alabama Senate election was a big ol' anger fest. Um, we're going to pause to eat, so sorry, Okay, so back to this. How many phone calls, protests, volunteer hours, org supported in 2017? I can honestly say that I attended so many marches this year that I couldn't, I think that's my new form of vacation, <laughs> which is sad on so many levels, but it recharges me, the energy you go, you know, like I think I've been to the march for black women, also known as the March for Racial Justice, I went to the science march. I've been to so many marches. And I've supported so many candidates. But, like, I just love putting my money on women of color. Like, there's a black woman running for secretary of, for secretary of state of Iowa, where Steve King is from. Yeah, she got ducats, and she will get until the primaries, like, every month. And it's not like I'm not, like, donating, like, thousands and thousands of dollars. It's what I have, because every little bit helps at this point. You know, so I feel like that's one of the one of the... If we're trying to look at silver linings, that's one of the good things that came out of 2017 was that while we have been aware prior to it, now we had the opportunity and the duty to put our money where our mouths were or our hours where our mouths were, you know. It's not the time to be complacent anymore. So I feel like in, on a petty, petty, petty level, and I will own this statement forever until I die. I love lording over people when they say, well, what have you done? I'm like, here's a list of motherfucking things I did. And I'm going to continue to lecture you on them because here's the motherfucking list of things I did and sacrificed because I believe in this. Because other people are reaping from the sacrifices of others when it comes to political action. So, um, yeah, it's the people who believed in it from the start that had that. It's my turn. This is so fun. It's more fun after a few drinks have gone down. And it's significantly 
funner than talking about how terrible we are at networking at conferences. <laughs> I'm normal. Yeah. That's normal, not knowing how to network properly. Okay. If you could travel anywhere right now, where would you go and why? I honestly think I would travel to this gorgeous lake in Canada. What is it called? It's in Banff. It's lake something or other, and it's gorgeously blue. And I just want to be far away from people and in a cabin by myself. And, yeah, I, I just want to be away. And I, it's the most gorgeous scenery ever, but it's even more gorgeous now in the winter. And that's where I would be. I want seclusion right now. I don't know about y'all, but what, where would you go? I'm actually not sure. Um, I kind of want to say India, actually. Yeah. Um, I have my my family, my cousin, and my my cousin is taking her kid to India for the first time right now, and, and she just went with her parents, and they had a big get together there. And I haven't been in like oh god, it must have been like six years now. So yeah, I would love to go like I, I miss it I kind of wish I could go and there's so much of India I haven't seen that I've always wanted to see I've never been I've never been to the Taj Mahal I've never seen like all the historical stuff so I would love to do that although December is not my favorite time to go because mango is not in season and there's like no fucking point to going to India if the mango is not in season what about Chaka? Well, now everybody knows the secrets to why, when, and how Indian people travel. It's where it's mango season. Yeah. I honestly feel like if I could go anywhere, I want to go to the timeline where Hillary Clinton won the election. <laughs> like, oh, is that an option? If we can travel dimensions, I want to. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I feel like this question was not yeah, clear. This is not a traveling time I didn't time realize question. like alternate timelines. WTF. <laughs> okay, well, places that exist on Earth, then. Um, okay, on this planet, let's see. I recently was talking to somebody who wanted to travel only to places that are known as the next digital frontiers. And I responded with, because that was their bucket list. Thank you so much. That was their bucket list. And I was like, my bucket list is the UNESCO Heritage World, the World Heritage Sites. Like, I care only, I care about our past. And then this week I've been telling everybody, I wanna go to Paris, yes, but I don't care for Eurocentric narratives anymore. You know, like, I want to go, not necessarily to India, because I feel like that's a different journey for me. I'm not ready to go to India. I want to travel, I wanna know more about original cultures of lands that have been colonized. Like, I want to go to Easter Island. I want to go to the unspoiled Galapagos. I want to go stand on the mouth of a volcano. Like, I just want to go back to, like, primitive, not like the hippy-dippy primitive living, but I feel like that's what's calling to us right now. Like, the primal connection of realizing our humanity is what's calling to us. Or what you can call second wave hipster. Because somebody's going to make it trendy, and we're all going to be doing it in no time. Yeah, but they're going to ruin it. Anju, it's your turn to pick a question. Ooh, okay. Let's see. Out of the Crown Royal bag. <laughs> because, of course, whenever we do anything, it involves alcohol. And, yeah. Let's see. My question is, 
What was your favorite read of 2017? Mm. My favorite read of 2017. This is sort of cheating, but I'm going to have to go with the Rebecca Tracer book. Not only because it's one of the few things I actually read this year, um, but also because it was just so informative and it just kind of eye-opening. It was really, I felt like it was like food for the soul, kind of. You're like, it's things that like I think we all intuitively knew, but just to like have actual words and facts in history to back it all up was kind of awesome. So yeah, I'm going to go with that. I can't decide between Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give and between Roxanne Gay's Hunger, which is the autobiography of being obese in America. And so, like, how you move through spaces with your body, metaphysically, physically. And you guys, you know how much I love Roxanne Gay. Like, she's the... F and so, I had an opportunity to see her, to see her speak at the C-SPAN book um, event this year I saw her being interviewed and I fangirled off to the side like oh my god it's Roxanne Gay there was an overflow room of a line it snaked through the main hallway to a different room that held 250 people to see her speak about her about writing and about feminism and I have never felt in my life entitled to see somebody more than I have been entitled to see her yeah, like, no, I literally told Rashi, who was in line with me, like, and we got cut off right before, like, right before we got in the room. I, I wanted to go through the whole line and be like, you ain't fat, get the fuck out of here. Like, if she's in there talking about hunger, if you are less than a size 10, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this, get the fuck out. Because, and I'm saying it's one of my favorite reasons of the year, I haven't gotten through it, it's so heavy, like, every sentence is laden with triggers and just like trauma and I'm just like I tried to listen to it when I worked out and I'm like I can't be seen crying in public like this anymore like it's a bad look you know but I feel like it's one of the most important books and I just love Roxanne Gay in general and I just recommend all all of what she has to say but just just like hunger hunger was for for me hunger was for me and anybody like me and I'm still resentful I didn't get to see her and if she ever comes to Dallas I'm sleeping in line of wherever she's gonna be Anyway, that was my favorite read. You, Miranda, what did you love? Speaking of trauma, um, I got into a book that did not come out this year, but came out in the last five, ten years, called uh, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Kolk, who's a psychiatrist, and talks about trauma, like neuroscience, to the stories of human beings who have been in war, to the stories of human beings who weren't in war but trauma is a thing for them and um, it really has unlocked a lot of information in me uh, because you know uh, I speak about performance anxiety a lot but I get into the ugly shit I, 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 I get into the messy stories nobody wants to talk about which is crazy to me because so many people in music and artists in general are fucked up people. That's why we are drawn and cling to art making. So I am reading this book. Again, it's an, just like you. It is a slow read. Like I read one chapter and I'm like, damn. And I got to put this thing down and put my little um, scented cake magnet bookmark on it and come back to it another time. Oddly specific. 
I've had a lot to drink, okay? So, like, I think the big thing for me with that book was the mere mention of the word agency because, you know, people in anxiety, you know, the body's waiting for agency, signs of agency, so that the fight-or-flight response can shut down or stop or cease or, slow, you know, at least slow down. And it solidified for me all of the habits I'm trying to put into my life that make me, um, that it, it satisfies the question of what do I need. And so um, I didn't realize, uh, getting out of addiction anyway, what do I need is the get out of addiction question. And answering that question and reading Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score at the same time made me realize that very, very simple things like making myself a sandwich is sending my body a sign or my brain a sign that she's taking care of herself. And then, of course, it's not like Bessel van der Kolk was like, okay, make yourself a sandwich. That's not what he said in that book. <laughs> Definitely not about making a sandwich, uh, that book. So, but... I, I got to say, reading it kind of gelled so much that I talk about. It gelled everything for me as a person because, I, for me, trauma's all around. I don't know what it is for healthy people. I don't know what healthy people's lives are like. Uh, but I do know that there's a way to handle this life. And it was it was just an incredible read for me. But anyhow, Bessel van der Kolk, Body Keeps the Score. All right, question number six. So another favorite question. What is your favorite meme or soundbite of 2017? My favorite meme, and I... Oh, 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 I don't think it is. I don't know. My favorite meme is, and I will link to it because there's the name of it. It's that Br from that British fake reality show <coughs> where the actor is standing at the door and tapping his forehead. Because I feel like it led to a lot of stuff. Is like, that not Lamar yes. I swear to God, it looks like Lamar it looks like Lamar it's not. It's a Nigerian guy, <laughs> and um, and it's it's like you got you listeners you know what it is it's the meme it's like you can't pay child support if you ain't got no job like yeah. you know it's like stuff like that i just love that meme because it's always like i felt personally attacked every time i read one that was like can't function as an adult if you don't take care of your you know anxiety and i'm like oh shit that's true you know so i i love that meme i love that it was also obviously you guys know my my broken dead horse draw my beat it was also a person of color meme, so I loved it extra more. So I am that person. And so, but I, that was my favorite meme. Followed secondly by the, the meme with the guy and the two girls, where the guy would turn his back and it'd be like, you know, he's walking with a good decision, but he turned back and look at the bad decision. Like me walking with studying and managing my time versus video games, you know, like that's my second favorite meme. I, this one's hard. There's so many good ones, but um, let's see. I think that I felt really empowered by realizing uh, my, in, my own intellect and my own ability to do and act and be. But I'd have to say the sound clip where Michelle Obama says, oh, these men are fools. Yeah. 
<laughs> Where she's like, speaking of imposters, like, like and yeah, like to be at the table with men, and and then hear them talk and be like, the fuck you don't, yeah. Look, I got mansplained to more than I should have to be mansplained to, and that's once this week on a topic that I'm like becoming I think an expert on and so while I was being mansplained to and while this um, witness was watching the mansplaining and the witness was kind of like the fuck are you talking about dude shut the fuck up Miranda knows everything about the shit you are trying to explain to her please shut the fuck up like it was it was it was uh, the, the witness male or female? The witness was female. The female was like, just shut the fuck up. Yeah. And so I, I was being mansplained to, and the whole time resonating in my head was Michelle, Boma, Michelle Obama going, oh, these men are fools. <laughs> like, that's the whole time. And it was, um, you know, regarding a, an anxiety situation with a girl about imposter syndrome. Yeah, it was about imposter syndrome. And basically, this man who doesn't realize that a student that I'm working with is the 10 millionth teenage girl I've worked with, and I've got this. And, and you also were a teenage girl at one point. And I was also a teenage girl once. Yeah, Michelle Obama's soundbite is the one for me because the more I have to, if, if I have to listen to one more man... Um, if I have to pretend like I have time to listen to men talk to me about issues I am borderline expert on one more fucking time for his to, to ease soft to be soft on his ego I'm gonna vomit in his face I don't even have time to listen to men talk about shit there are experts in like that's I don't have time for that either I don't care I'm on so many social media wars with men trying to mansplain shit to me that I'm just like, do you not understand that we're all stardust and you don't matter? Like, Good old nihilism. Like, you, you can think you matter, but you got your economics degree from a community college. Like, please don't come at me. I will continue to, li- to send you links to articles because you don't know what you're talking about. And anybody else reading this thread can link to, can read any of these things and realize you don't know shit. So. Yeah, totally linked to mansplaining is soldier mindset. It's arguing for the sake of being right. So, yeah. Mansplainer can, I don't, I'm not going to say it on, I don't know. I just had it. And then, of course, said teenage girl that I worked with uh, entered my office, worked with me, and uh, this man was listening outside the door to see how I was working with her, and she was just fine, laughing, having a good time. We were, she was explaining to me how her little brothers woke her up at eight in the morning with Hungry Hungry Hippo. Like, you know how loud Hungry Hungry Hippo is? I would be fucking angry too if somebody was playing Hungry Hungry Hippo outside my door and I was the dutiful older daughter. You know what I mean? So, I don't want to hear it. Like, she was smiling, uh, gave me a hug after our session and left. And this man was like, 
I heard you working with her. You were doing a fuck you. Fuck you. What I don't need in 2018 is any man's validation. Fuck all of y'all. I don't have time to validate men. Hence your Christmas gifts you got from me. Uh, mine is, this is what I thought you were going to say, Pooja, but mine was Maxine Waters reclaiming my of time. Of course. This <laughs> is sound bite and a meme of the year. You're right. You're Absolutely. Right. I'm doing. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured that was the obvious answer to this question, but I like all your, your answers. Yeah. They're, they, they're all great. These men are cool. That's the one I need the most. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't sunk in, but I need that one. I the mean, most. Uh, <laughs> how much more intelligent does it get than Miss Michelle Obama? You know what I mean? Anyway, here's the next question and the last question, I believe. What was your number one coping mechanism in 2017? Now, hold on. Coping or numbing? Because we need to make that clear. Let's answer both. Let's answer both. My. Um, numbing device I would have to say my go-to numbing device was workaholism because when I work my ass off I feel I'm basically drugged I'm not gonna say it's a good thing it's absolutely not because there are side effects to workaholism and so but it did keep me busy and it did help me get a lot done I feel like I accomplished a fuckload in 2017 and I'm proud of myself. And for once, I don't have imposter syndrome about it. Kind of badass. I'm going to just own that for a second. Absolutely. Pausing. I'm pausing for a second. Now, that's numbing devices. Coping mechanisms. I got to say, uh, going to support group and getting empathy from other people about what I struggle with, uh, which is codependency from a traumatic, from, you know, a complex traumatic childhood um seeing people and hearing their stories letting me tell my story on a weekly basis for like nine months in a row i'd have to say that turned me toward my own life and it you know now i realize what's most important to me is not my work but sitting next to my dog while playing video games or making myself a meal or hanging out with friends happening right this very minute listeners um uh, spending time with friends family and building relationships because i haven't had connection before in my own head maybe other people had connection with me but i haven't felt the the joy of connection to other human beings before now and i think my number one coping mechanism has been empathy from other people on a regular basis support group what about y'all um, <laughs> to be honest, I think coping mechanisms and, and uh, numbing mechanisms have been the same for me, and it's basically been like anything that I can do that makes me not think, which is mostly sleeping, yeah. um, and also like playing video games or whatever. But as far as actual like healthy coping mechanisms, I think the best has actually been you two and our and our text chain. <laughs> really loud. <laughs> But, but I think having you guys as, like, as an outlet to vent to, to talk about whatever is going on has, has actually been the healthiest coping mechanism. It has been a joy watching Anju get gradually angrier in every podcast. And she steals the mic and starts talking, and I'm like, whoa! 
and juice talking. That happened one time, guys. No, it did not happen one time, and we are proud of you. I feel like my numbing and coping mechanism, I would talk more about, but it's not legal in all states. I feel like what it did was lead to a conduit to the true coping mechanism, which was being open enough to have conversations. But I just feel like if you have a community, whether it be three people or 48 people or 100,000 people, you know, just... And the same reason I got recharged going to different protests or, or conferences and things this year is like knowing that there are other people who make you realize you aren't crazy. This could be a thing. Yeah. Like not being gaslighted by society in general about certain things. And I feel like I'm one of those people. Uh, I'm a natural hardcore cynic and there's a lot that will take for me to look for and find a silver lining one of the coping mechanisms is actively you have to look for the good and it's one of those things that it takes a lot of work to cope with because yeah. you're already down a spiral of like oh my god this is shitty but it's like the shittiness happens whether or not you look for it or not so look for the good like you always have to look for good you always have to do work you have to put an extra work to make the thing that's worthwhile worthwhile right and so that's a hard numbing and coping mechanism. I would sit in my own hatred and fester in negative feelings if I wasn't open enough. So my coping and numbing mechanism, which was not fried food, which helps numb a lot of things, and <laughs> that it doesn't necessarily numb. It helps you cope, but it makes it forces you to move forward. That was my numbing and coping mechanism. There are two more questions, so if Anju will draw. Okay. And we will continue our agnostic festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> New Year's resolutions are glorified birthday wishes for adults. True or false? <laughs> I want to say false, but it's true. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let us all answer that. There, the next question. Here we go. Okay. And this is truly the last question. What is your favorite Olympic sport and your thoughts on I, Tanya? Okay. So my favorite Olympic sport is figure skating. And it is because I grew up in the 90s and Tanya Harding and Anderson Kerrigan was a thing. And it spawned a thing. Like, when I was home for Thanksgiving, figure skating national championships were on. And I put it on the channel because there was nothing else on. My entire family stopped what they were doing, sat down and gathered around a TV. Because figure skating was one of those things that we were just like, oh, this is American. We don't know how to skate, but we, go, we are invested in this. This is beauty, it's pageantry, we like to dance. It's just like an alternate form of dance. It's artistry in its own sense, but it's like technically ma technical mastery of a skill. It's all the things we love, you know? And I remember in the heyday of figure skating, 92, 96. Yeah, my mom would sit there and be like, that is not a triple sock out. She did not get fast enough up on that first leg. Like, that's how intense it was. So I love figure skating because for some reason it brought us all together. And also I wrote a piece almost over a year ago about apologizing to Tanya Harding on behalf of feminism because we left her out in the wind 
And I feel like I'm looking forward to I, Tanya because I feel like it gives credence to all the research I did to write that piece about how much of a, how much she overcame to be where she was and how in the end, like, she was judged based on class and edged out and marginalized. She was, she was always the victim in all of it. And I know there's playing the victim and all this stuff, but this, she went on to achieve other things when she was blackballed because she has a drive in her. And not because she and I share a birthday that I fucking love Tanya Harding. And y'all know how I feel about most white women. You know, like, I just feel like there's a debt we owe to women like her and Monica Lewinsky. And I'm waiting for the Monica Lewinsky movie. If I ever get feminist enough, I'm bankrolling it. Like, that's, I, I need her story to be normalized and seen for what it was with the lens of 2020 hindsight on it. You know, so I'm looking forward to I Love Tanya, but Olympic figure skating is my favorite. And yes, I totally support the Russians being banned. <laughs> is that why you put the question in there? <laughs> Cosine. I'm going to be a dirty old woman. This is Anju, by the way. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so, I love, it's not a winter Olympic sort, do we have to choose a, is it a winter Olympic sort we have to choose? Because you did not, you did not designate, you, yeah, you didn't specify, uh, designate shit. All right, so, men's gymnastics, anything where they... Why can't we have it all the time? Okay, thank you. Summer Olympics, you do it in shorts. Winter Olympics, you do it in a full unitard. That's the just I, or whatever, as long as I can see your arms. I'm just saying, like, whenever, uh, I've forgotten the name of all of these things, so I'm gonna make up the names. The camel. I'm kidding. So it's just like, okay, when they do the horse, right? That's what it's called? The horse? Pommel horse. horse. Okay. Arms. Okay. Arms. And then what about the rings? Men only do the rings and that's about Oh my god. Good god. I it's just the display of arms. And and I mean it's I think that athleticism is inspiring no matter what it is. But there's something about men doing gymnastics and the forearms. The food's coming out. It's a good time for me to stop talking. I am not a huge Olympics person. I would have to go with soccer. Soccer is like my only sport that I get into. And I get into it for the Olympics and for the World Cup, and that is it. Specifically the Women's Olympics, because, no, sorry, the Women's Olympics, the Women's World Cup is where, where my love of soccer started. Um, <laughs> no, it was with Brandy Chastain and with like yeah. the, the women's yeah. team that won the gold. It was, yes. yeah. Yes. And also my dad loves soccer, so it was like the one sport I grew up with. But yeah, so soccer is my yeah, one yeah. sport. And also those boys are very, very pretty. <laughs> As you could probably tell, we were out in public recording this episode. Big thanks to Caroline for rolling with us as we did this over dinner. And thank you, dear listeners, for all you've done this year, for the encouragement, the kind words, the participation, and for most of all, listening. 
it truly has been a hell of a year. Please like and subscribe to us on all the things. Leave us a review on iTunes and follow us at Jilted Indian Pod on all of the things. We will be back in 2018 with new episodes. This has been Pooja. And from the bottom of my cold, almost dead heart, happy holidays and wishes for a prosperous new year. And until next time, go in peace and power, y'all. One of our, I forgot, I literally forgot what the fuck I was talking about. I'm talking about coping my Yeah, but we were talking about something specific. I'm going to edit this episode and this is going to be funny as fuck. Um, yeah, no.